Oi, you lot. You listen to Garage Hammer. Episode 218. On tonight's episode, the Manlings get together to read the core rule book. Not the rules, but all the lore and the fun stuff. Because apparently, the fat Manling loves the lore, but didn't actually read it. Because he's kind of an idiot and things like that. So, shut up! I'm listening to me show! Welcome to the Garage, you tools. For the next two hours, or thereabouts, we'll do our best to keep you informed, entertained, and perhaps have a laugh or two along the way, bringing you the realms immortal, things you didn't know about the mortal realms, and things you did know about the mortal realms. I'm Alex Gonzalez. And I'm a guy sitting in front of a microphone telling the audience that Archeon has too much red. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely gonna be a hop soda and a night. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Oh goodness, how are you, Alex? I'm doing all right. How about you? I'm getting by. It has been a day, but here we are in front of the mics, making the entertainment. And I use that word loosely. Yes, with this show very loosely. <laughs> no kidding. So, um, core rulebook, all the lore, yes. going to be interesting. But before we get to the core rulebook lore, we should probably thank the sponsors. We probably should before they turn us off the air. <laughs> all right. So, as always, we need to take a moment to thank the sponsors of Garage Hammer, which include Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Six Squared Studios. For all your basing needs. Oh, and uh, the website's getting a redo? For they're going to have that up again. They've got the five year anniversary of of uh, Six Squared Studios, and so they're redoing stuff. And in honor of their five year anniversary, uh, there and and the Garage Hammer nine year anniversary. But when was that, Dave? It was last month. I totally forgot. I always think it's the first episode in June, and it's the first episode in May. Forgot our anniversary, Dave. <laughs> I did. I'm a bad. With you? I'm a bad I can't believe man. you. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'll make it up to you. Good. Good. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I don't have all the details on the contest. We're going to announce it next episode. Uh, you'll have a couple episodes to do whatever the thing is, and then some lucky listener, or possibly even listeners, will be winning. Um, you know, free store credit from. Six Squared Studios, so you can get all the cool little bits and bobs you need, uh, including Alex. Those all the cool little uh, tokens that I use to keep track of stuff uh, during the game, because just mm-hmm. about all that stuff they send me because they're awesome. Yes, they is. And we also need to thank Lindsay's Gamer Garrison in Wakanda, Illinois. Lindsay's Gamer Garrison in Wakanda, Illinois. No idea where that terrible theme song came from in my head when I did that commercial. But it's stuck in my head, and now it's going to get into yours. That's the law. But it's not that Lindsay and still not that Wakanda. <laughs> not that Wakanda. Although I'd say Lindsay. Lindsay's forever. Although, but that's just me. So, Actually, nobody <sighs> says that. I, that's the first nobody time I said says it. Nobody says that, It's probably going to be the last time I say it because that went over like a Led Zeppelin. So, uh, hey, you know, um, we have other supporters and those would be our patreon supporters and those people i want to give a personal thank you to because they 
are part of that 1% who make this show and everything we do on it possible. So uh, if you'd like to, you could check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash garagehammer. Um, and if you're one of those people who think this show is actually worth something and want to help out, that's amazing. I'd like to point out, then thank you, special thank you to our associate producers, Phil Elliott, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, and AJC. AJC. And our executive producer, Big Jake. Thank you, guys. I, I just I can't thank you enough. Uh, every time we do this, I'm just amazed that there's all these people who love the show this much. So thank you for being part of the 1%. We really do appreciate it. Other than that, what else? Oh, Alex, you know uh, we have a voicemail line. We have voicemail? We do. We have a voicemail line. Why do we line. still have voicemail? Because people call in. Leave Nobody us calls it, Dave. <laughs> Sometimes they do. Uh, I can't <sighs> remember if the last caller or two actually made it on the air or not. I don't remember what I played last. Uh, cause, I don't uh, think so. I'm a bad. We haven't done a voicemail in a while. Uh, well, then maybe we missed it. But I don't have anything queued up right now. However... Most of the time, if you call, you'll get your your voicemail played on the air as long as it's not inappropriate. I love voicemail. You can call. You can call and tell us about what you're doing in the hobby. You can call and tell us about what you think of the latest episode. Uh, you could be like Ryan Nickel or Johnny Hastings and just, just go to a tournament. And that first night of the tournament, after you've been out having several Diet Cokes and you want to call and drunk dial the line, you can do that too. Because I love getting voicemail. And most of the time I play it on the air, uh, except when I can't remember which ones I've played and which ones I haven't. If you want to call the voicemail line, it's 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. That's 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. Most international callers can dial 00 and then 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. Love the voicemail. Love to hear from you. If you want to call, that would be awesome. Thanks. You know what? Do you want to uh, just jump right into the toolbox? How are we going to fit? <laughs> we not. You possibly. Mm, I don't know. It would be a pretty big old toolbox. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> a tool um, chest. But we we'll probably jump into that thing. And it is brought to you by Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Superstore. Yes. yes. Oh, I know you've been doing some hobbying, man. I know you've been doing some hobbying. Yes. Yes, I have. Yes. Yes, I have. Um, so I've been assembling everything under the sun in my house that I have not yet put together, um, in preparation for contrast. Um, so that has been my big thing. It's been Grotz. It's been Stormcast, all the Sacrosanct stuff. Um, I'm going to be doing a new Stormcast army, uh, with a new paint scheme, uh, the Sigmarite Brotherhood. Um, it's a white and purple so it's white armor and purple pauldrons uh, because I can't get the idea of not doing a white stormcast army out of my head because I just like for whatever reason that color just looks right to me on them and my current uh, stormcasts are like a metallic blue uh, so but I'll be downsizing a little bit and trying some new things um, then obviously I've got a lot of grots to paint and a lot of squigs so so looking forward to that that contrast huh yeah, and then I've assembled all the Forbidden Power, Endless Spells, and the Terrain piece. Um, and this is just all in prep. I haven't painted a model in a long time. Uh, and the last ones I painted were uh, the Guardians, the Tree Revenants for Warhammer Underworlds. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. So it's been a bit all over the place, but it's all good. How about you? 
Uh, I've been kind of doing the same thing, been building a lot, trying to get things ready for contrast, paint. Uh, now, not everything I'm doing, but I figured if, you know, if I'm going to just try to build stuff for that, I'm just trying to build everything. Mm-hmm. And then I realized how much everything I got, and it's just sad. But I did build all the stuff from Forbidden Power, except for the terrain piece. I primed it right on the sprue because I figured that's going to be that thing. To get the paint all the way to the middle, I'm just going to paint it up in parts and put it together. You see, I assembled it into three parts. Mm. I, I have like the, what do you call it? The ball itself, uh-huh. with the exception of one of the sides that hinges to the center, so that comes out, and then the exterior frame. Gotcha. Um, but I haven't built that yet. Like I said, I was doing that separate. I, I picked up some of the terrain. And so I got the ruins, and then mm-hmm. I picked I picked up the round one and the square one, but not the giant one. I can't, you know, they're all the ruins. Those things are huge. Yes, they are. I mean, seriously, the square one is like 8 by 11 or some nonsense like that. It's like the size of a sheet of paper. And it's tall, too. Yeah. I mean, you can fit a good portion of a unit on that area that it takes the, the, the main part of it, like a whole unit. And the, mm-hmm. the round one's like an eight-inch diameter. I mean, it's bananas how big these things are. Like, I, if you want to play into that campaign we talked about last episode, you could do a whole table of that stuff, and it's great. But, man, it is big pieces. That's okay. Yeah. Um, so I built those. Um, I've been priming a bunch of stuff. I primed all the Stormcast with the Retributor armor because I'm not doing those with the uh, – I'm just going to keep doing them the way I've been doing them. I got most of an army done. What, yeah, for sure. What I am doing is now I'm getting the I'm going to re I'm going to reprime my skeletons. This will be the third time they've been primed. Luckily, I go in thin because eventually I'm going to lose all detail. But I've decided to do the whole de- undead army with the contrast paints. Um, I've been trying to do all the fancy stuff. Uh, you know, I had people like Vince Ventrella who like was talking me through how to do blending. I uh, Tyler Mangle was helping me. I'm kind of hopeless with it. I'm just like you know what. Just gonna re- redo it all. Just the whole army, except for Nagash, is gonna be all contrast painted because I just want to get it done, and that's I'm gonna give that a shot that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also gonna do the Lord of the Rings set because Harris and I have been playing a bit of it to try to or getting it together to play so that we can do a Garage Gamer on it. Um, but that's a whole army that I don't really have time to paint. You know, like go through all the details and that contrast paint looks like it's going to be something I can do quick. So I got all that built. Um, what else? Uh, the last of the cruise for underworlds. And then, okay, I built, um, I built a bunch of stuff. What else did I build? Um, I built, uh, the Palidors, some of the Vanguard Palidors. And mm-hmm. those went together. Okay. Then I built the, Vanguard Raptors with the what is it the long strike crossbows you know the ones with the kickstands yeah you actually got it right yeah I look at that and then I built the Vanguard Hunters and I'm just gonna say and I know we talked about this off the air and and you didn't have trouble with it those are the worst I went through I followed every step I did everything getting those shoulder pads and the the capes and the shoulder parts to all line up proper so you could put the the giant uh, you know Stormcast shoulder oh was a nightmare like this was the worst nothing wanted to fit together um and i i just uh uh i built 10 i got 10 more i don't know if i want to build them i don't know if i want to build them i'm just like i don't 
think I like these models anymore. Yeah, no, I didn't have an issue with my 10 uh, that I had built previously. Uh, so I think this is operator error. <laughs> you say but so. I was just, it's a I nightmare. So. It's possible. But yeah, no, I've got like, I've got like five TV trays of, of like, well, two small ones and three of the larger wooden Ikea ones. Uh, just full of models that are all either primed or not yet primed, but that's like, and that's basically it. And once we get the, the, the paints, the, I'm going to try to just crank through a lot of this stuff, see what we can <laughs> do with it. Um, I still have more to build though, but I'm trying to get all the boxes, like uh, trying to get everything built. So it's like, okay, I have nothing left to build paint. What's here. And then you can, then you know you have nothing else to do. You can go on. Right now, I still have. Uh, I went down the shelf over there on the list. I have a box of Graveguard, a box of Morgast Archai, uh, a box of Dreadblade Harrows. I think I have two boxes of Dreadblade Harrows. I don't know why. A Rikenor the Grim Hailer, a box of Blade Geist Revenants, four boxes of Skeletons, Lady Alinder, Kurdos the uh, uh, Craven King, five boxes of Chain Rasports, <laughs> two more Tarks. Um, and uh, the a partridge in a pear tree, the star drake, and uh, it's close. No, yeah, we're getting close there. And what else do I have? Uh, Kira's stonehorn and the luminarch and the black coach, and about seven or eight uh, individual character models, just stuff that I have that I didn't realize I had up there. I have like. Uh, I just I have stupid I have like an intercessor sergeant that they gave away for the 30th anniversary or something that they sold I have two of them I don't know how I got two of them um, the fi- the 500th store the two special models they sold for the 500th store opening I got those I I didn't realize I had them like I was going through this going well how who is Garcor like what is this so I'm just gonna build it all build it all that and the 40k stuff is all built get it done and then I like this now I have everything that needs to be painted. But that was that's a lot. That's, I've been doing a lot. Just sounds like it. Oh, I just I'm, I'm, I figured if I can get it all gone, then it's gone. Like if I get it all built, then it's like okay, everything on these trays is what I have to finish built, finish painting, and then I'll get it done, and then I can do something dumb like my brass stampede. That's not dumb. It's kind of dumb, but I'm kind of excited for it. Yeah, and you'll get it painted faster, which means you'll be playing with it more. Yes. All right. Uh, what about gaming? Have you been playing games? Um, yeah, there's a local league up at Cataclysm, which is my uh, friendly local game store now, um, doing an escalation league, starting at 500 and then going up uh, 500 points every two weeks, and you have to get in two games in two weeks. Uh, so I'm using my deep kin. Uh, just that's what I've got painted and motivated for. So, uh, as of right now, we're heading into the 2,500 point week. So, I'm not sure what to add to go from TK to 2,500. And I'm not sure if the GHB is going to change that because they'll come out right at the tail end, which is just fine too. Um, so, I'm 8 and 0 in it right now. I've got two minor victories um, one against Fire Slayers in uh, Take and Hold. Uh, because that's the unstoppable force against the immovable object. Yes. So there was no way I was going to take that objective. Uh, and then the last one was knife to the heart against free guild. And I was outnumbered about four to one 
I had 44 models. He had 164. Jeez. Yeah. So I was able to get the minor off of him, but I just could not chew through enough guys. There was just way too many of them. That's crazy. Yeah. And he even had a Griffin and a bunch of other stuff, and he still had that many models. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, that's going to happen when I start playing that stupid Death Army with all this. Ugh. So much nonsense. All right. Yes. Um, any other gaming? Uh, no. Not really. I've been playing some uh, Underworlds. In fact, I've been playing more Underworlds than uh, anything else. And uh, I've been, it was the last meeting of the Warhammer Club at school. And mm-hmm. uh, I got the... Uh, we had our last uh, meeting, and we've been playing like thousand point like Vanguard games and stuff like that. Um, but we've been having a lot of fun. In fact, some of the kids um, they find out where Lindsay's is and stuff like that. So now the kids want to come and 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 play outside of school if they can. Um, you know, they're really getting into it. So that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, They've been liking the little Vanguard games. They like uh, they like playing Underworlds, and I think next year when we come back, uh, I know that uh, the guy who runs a club with me has been putting together kill team stuff. So they're going to be playing some kill for the kids who want to play a little more sci fi than fantasy. Sure, uh, they got that going. So that that's been that's been pretty much my gaming. Nice. Yeah. You got any other? Uh, the only thing I can really think of is to finish reading Black Talent. Uh, so we'll be doing that for the next episode, I think. Uh, yes, that would be awesome. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I have been working on is October 13th at Cataclysm Games in McChesney Park, Illinois. Um, I'm going to be running a narrative event. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, so this one, I've wanted to do a bit more narrative gaming for a while. And... For what I'm doing, like, I thought about just doing the Forbidden Power campaign, but to do it in a day is, like, nigh impossible because you need, like, ten games. Yeah, no, that's... So, um, what I'm doing is, essentially, you're going to take a thousand points of an army, and the emphasis for this event is going to be on painting, conversions, hobby, theme, um, and you actually, like, there are rules where you have to theme your army, so if you're going to be playing Celestial Vindicators... If your Stormcasts are not turquoise, you can't play them as Celestial Vindicators. Oh. So, that's... It's super thematic is really what we're trying to do and encourage new armies to be built. So, I've got a whole series of games planned uh, where you're essentially just capturing Realmstone uh, to build power for your Grand Alliance. And I've got a lot of tricks and plans and a whole bunch of different tables with unique battle plans. So... Interesting. That's the plan. Uh, Seating will be limited, um, and I will get information out on that as soon as uh, I finalize all the details. But that'll be Saturday, October or Sunday, October thirteenth at Cataclysm Games in Machesney. It does have to be fully painted, and we're doing an additional thing, uh, which is the Screw City Challenge. So, what a lot of us in my area have been talking about doing is doing new armies. So, what you can do. This is an option to participate in the Screw City Challenge. Essentially, what you'd be doing is taking an army from concept to execution, a thousand points in like four months. Hmm, that's 
completely possible. Yeah, especially with contrast. Uh, but also, it's just the big thing is to try to get people to play more games uh, and get more miniatures painted and do new cool armies. So, like, I'm doing uh, a mixed order variant or Stormcast, one of the two, or even thought about doing uh, a Thunderscorn list. So, all Shaggots, but Shaggots and Dragon Ogres, but do it as Frost Giants and Frost Worms. So, like, a white dragon tail and that uh, cold gray-blue skin. Ooh. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, so there's some options. Or I can just paint up a bunch of squigs. We'll figure it out. <laughs> um, so, but that's coming up. And that's really about it. I've just been listening to a lot of other podcasts uh, for Underworlds, specifically What the Hex. Um, reading like the Candy Roller Crit. Like, because I want to play that game a lot more. And just don't. So, trying to keep up with everything. I didn't even realize that there were just Underworlds podcasts. Oh, there are a ton I've been diving into. Hmm. Uh, so it's like, what the hex is D.V. Calkins? Uh, he's from the Mortal Realms crew. Right. Um, but they actually talk like real legit strategy and everything like that. So it's not really a lot of the background. So it is like how to play properly. Uh, Path to glory. Uh, ready for action. There's a bunch that I've been going through and listening to. Hmm, interesting. Very interesting. Anything else? Uh, no, except you and I are going to get together on Saturday. Yes. Now that's, uh, now Saturday, obviously, if you're listening to this right, when it comes out Saturday, the contrast paints are coming out. Um, we are heading over to Lindsay's. You and I, uh, Brandon's supposed to be there. Um, who else is coming? Wait, who's, uh, Tim, Tanya, Chris. Yeah. Chris Walker, a bunch of, bunch of people coming down there. Um, I'll have my underworlds. Uh, I'll have my my gits for Underworlds. I'll have uh, I'll have some Stormcast with me because it's painted, and uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, and uh, it's okay. We're gonna be there. I'm gonna be there pretty much all day. I think they're open till midnight. Actually, I'm gonna be there most of the day, uh, hanging out, painting, building, um, not building, but you know, you know, trying out the paints, playing games, mm-hmm. all that stuff. I'm very excited. Also, ordering my GHB. For next, yes. Uh, General's handbook is going up for pre-order Saturday. I'm kind of excited about that. Um, yeah, for good reason. There's a lot of good stuff in this one. Well, and and the quicker it gets here, the quicker people will stop complaining about stuff they don't actually know about yet. Mm. Yeah, you, th- once it comes out, you can complain about the things you, that you, that are there, but complaining about things you haven't seen yet is the stuff that drives me bonkers. Yeah, that's okay. And then there's also going to be a digital update along with it. For some other things that weren't included. Really? Yeah, they announced that on Warhammer TV. Oh, okay. I think it'll probably be just like an FAQ format. Cool. Well, that's uh, that's kind of everything, isn't it? Let's go through the other, got through this, got through that. Um, yeah, why don't we take a break? Well, and then when we come back, um, we can talk uh, about this here uh, core rulebook and all the cool stuff in it. Or some yeah. of the cool stuff in it. Because there's too much. There's a lot. All right, we'll be back.
That's right, folks. Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted boarded miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. And we are back talking about the Mortal Realms and all the cool stuff that we may or may not have known. Yeah, so we were looking for something to do that wasn't covering one of the books we haven't covered yet because it just gets a little tedious just doing book coverage after book coverage for battle tomes, I mean. Um, So we were looking for something else to do. And like I said, next week we'll be doing Black Talon because you got to read it. But... I was flipping through the core book, looking for some ideas for some. I was just, I was kind of in a little hobby lull, you know, just like mm-hmm. looking through stuff. And as I'm flipping through this, I'm like, there is so much in here that, like, I kind of glossed over. I'm like, oh, I know this stuff, and I know that stuff. And I started flipping, and a few things caught my eye, and I was like, wait a minute, I didn't know this, I didn't know that. And so then I was talking with with you, Alex, and I said, you know, so many people say, oh, I'm getting back into. Warhammer, or I'm getting into Warhammer for the first time. Uh, you know, if I'm interested in in this stories, what should I read? And more often than not, they mean like Black Library, and we suggest uh, you know uh, Play Garden or Soul Wars, Soul Wars, City of Secrets. Yeah, uh, you know, there's the Black Library. Stuff. Yeah, there's a good four or five go tos from the Black Library stuff, which is great if you're interested in that story or you're interested in that group. Um, but if you're coming at it kind of fresh or kind of new. There's a lot of good stuff in this core book. Um, even if you've read a lot of this stuff before, I was going through going, wait, you know, you know how when you, when you read the, the battle tomes, like they'll drop little hints of things coming later, like when they mentioned the Deepkin in the uh, in the daughter's, daughters book, of Cain. or the yeah. uh, the uh, flying grots, the uh, Grotbeck scuttlers, yes, which still waiting, <laughs> yep. Waiting, waiting patiently, but I'm very excited to see that stuff coming out if it ever if makes when. it. Yeah, it's well, you, you know, quit dropping hints like that, guys. But that's that's in here. There's a lot of that stuff in here. Um, there's two hundred. There's over two hundred pages of lore in the in the in the book before you get to like the how to play portion of it. And so I started going through. We're not going to go through all of it today. Um, I'd like to kind of cover some of the 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 history stuff we already know because remember this came out in the Soul Wars book so this is actually you know we've moved past some of this mm-hmm. but when you I guess it's just that when I was reading it it's like I guess some of the ways they worded things you could see now you're looking at it seeing hints of things that were coming and mm-hmm. almost and I'll I'll be able to point it out more when we get to those parts but. You know, I, I kind of feel like I know the lore to an extent, and then the way they word something or the thing they say makes you think, "Wow, that's sort of a like slightly different point of view." Is this is this something different than what I thought I knew? Um, so I just thought it might be cool to sort of cover it, you know. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, now, it starts off, uh, you know, goes to Age of Myth, Age of Chaos, Age of Sigmar, and then talks about the realms. And that's kind of what we're going to try to get through today. Now, the first three, Age of Myth, Age of Chaos, Age of Sigmar, we've all seen. What I kind of like is in the book, like, Age of Myth is only, what, two, four, six? It's like ten pages. Mm-hmm. Uh, 11 pages, mostly pictures with just little yeah. dwarves. And they're all the classic pictures we've seen. The picture of Dracothian wrapped around sort of Sigmar's comet with the light. You know, Sigmar bare-chested, swinging Galmaraz at that guy. Volcatrix and, um, you know, Grimnir fighting. Or is that – that is Grimnir, yeah. It's Grimnir. Um, and it, it, it still keeps it like there's just little little pocket – you know, little you know blurbs. Then it keeps it with that very um, that myth that it's the age of myth, but that myth a lot so, sounds like a lot of stuff that you would read when you read you know creation myths from other mm-hmm. you know earlier races and stuff. But there are still a few little cool drops in here. In fact, I got some stuff pulled up. Alex, would you mind reading the stuff I sent you for Age of Myth? Yeah, sure. Sigmar taught the scattered tribes of mankind many things. And soon they worshipped him as a deity above all others. Guided by inner knowledge and fate itself, Sigmar located and awakened other gods, those he recognized from his former life with mixed consequences. Sigmar, bearing the light of civilization ever on, did not see many of the dangers that coiled in its shadow until it was too late. Though that light can can still be seen wherever some relic or crumbled architecture is uncovered, the secrets of such splendors have been crushed beneath the heels of chaos oppression or else hidden by the gods themselves. See, now we get this little background. You're talking about some of the, and this is just some of the highlights. I like Sigmar was led by fate. Uh, you know, he meets these guys and brings them back, especially when we, when we get into this later. Some of the, when you get into what Sigmar's thinking as he's waking some of them up was really, it's just a sentence or two, but it's so revealing in the bigger picture. Um, I also like, you know, oh, what do you mean that all these old relics and stuff were hidden by the gods themselves? Oh, wait, now we know. <laughs> yeah. Storm vaults. Yeah. Amongst other things. And then even if you just look through, there's little nuggets like on one of the pages, it's got like some civilization on it. It's two pictures. Um, but they talk about the Spear of Malice, which was covered in City of Secrets. Right. Because um, that's what it's based around. And then they also mentioned the Deific Mons in the Shyish Interlands. Oh, that's right. And that's where the campaign was for Lake Lethys. Yep. Yep. And then you get the uh, the thing about Slanesh being chained and the artwork there of Slanesh being chained. And then you noticed, what was it that what was on here? Do you see the little white souls at the base of each one of the obelisks? Right. Yeah, well, that's right. And now we know what those are. Mm-hmm. As they're pulling all that out. It's very cool. I also like how the chains kind of go into infinity and you can't see exactly what they're chaining up. Mm-hmm. It's just really well done. And that's just like Age of, Age of Myth. Now, we jump through and then we get to the Age of Chaos. Um, I just want to cover a couple of cool things, like I said, in, in each of these that I saw. At first, the way was barred to the agents of the Dark Gods. The strange realities of the mortal realms, when they first came to be, were gatherings of aligned magic so pure that the stuff of chaos found it difficult to gain purchase there. I'm like, wait, the purified, pure magic is just like, um, or the pure essence of it is like something that if when it's that pure, chaos has trouble corrupting it. I never heard that before. 
Yeah, because the creation for the world that was is that chaos was magic itself. Right. So it didn't make any sense. But if it's in its like purest form, but then you could go back to thinking about the incarnates from the world that was, and those are the manifestations. Right. Um. Now, and then how does chaos get in? The way it always does, through the shortcomings of mortals, you know, the prayers of the wicked, the schemes of the evildoers. You get a quick retelling of the breaking of Sigmar's pantheon and the Battle of Burning Skies where he loses Galmaraz. Um, and then you get to this last part. For years, Sigmar dwelt upon his losses, his rage simmering as he brooded on how best to retake the mortal realms. None could have foreseen just how far he would go in order to succeed. That's a pretty ominous... Like, and we know the things he did, and we know what they're talking about with the Stormcast and all these other things. But it also leaves it, what else is up his sleeve? Because we know we haven't opened all the chambers. We know there's more stories going on here. And we know Sigmar is, he's a uh, win-at-all-costs almost sort of guy going into this. A um, little bit, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 just the way, like I said, it's. You, we're not learning anything new necessarily from this, but the way it's worded, it, it you know, it totally puts a spin on the tone and on the and the on the writer's uh, point of view. And this keeps coming up. It does set it to a much darker, more adult yes. setting compared to the bright, shiny, happy. But it still has the spirit of hope throughout it. But it's just filling in the gaps mm-hmm. and making the darks even darker and the brights even brighter. Yeah, um, and then when we get to the age of Sigmar, we talk. It talks about how he makes the Stormcast um, painstakingly. Had Sigmar worked to create his new armies, and with the greatest artifice, had Grunjni labored to forge the divine lightning that would carry them. Uh, these warriors have been made not to negotiate or build, but to slay those with evil in their hearts. And for the first time in living memory, the hordes of chaos knew fear. Together, Sigmar and Grunjni had crafted an army of miracles, a host of armored angels created from the souls of the finest men and women the mortal realms could provide. Their devotion, their singular vision had been so powerful, it had proven enough to challenge the dominion of the dark gods. Only later did the cost of that godly ambition become clear. And again, you get that last line. It's like, wait, what? They they keep doing it. Also, um... One of the things that I find surprising in here is as you're reading this, you go down to like the places where these heroes were taken. And now I'm, I went even back and checked this. It said in the earlier books that Sigmar, like he pulled them right before they die, they were going to die, right? A lot of them. Yeah. So it's like right before they're going to die. However, apparently those people didn't realize they were going to die or the people around them in their villages like thought maybe they still had a chance because um, later on when the Stormcast come back and they the and some of the humans in their tribes find out that that they they that's where they came from, they sort of resent and hate Sigmar because they're like, well, we might have won if you left this guy sticking around. Mm-hmm. And it's a weird take on it because it always it always seemed to me like he was taking them at that last moment, like before, you know, like. And if your greatest hero is about to be felled, you're probably going to lose anyway. But apparently the people down there fighting didn't see it that way. No. And there's Everything a is lot a of matter reason. of perception. Yeah. And then obviously he abandoned the mortal realms. Uh, right. With the exception of Azir. But... 
but he didn't start sucking those people up until afterwards, after he had right. closed, right? But still, just mm-hmm. the idea that some of these people really hated him for doing that. Yes. Um, you know, and I don't know whose pers- who's point of view on that is correct, you know, because I, I was under the impression that he took them when it was hopeless, mm-hmm. you know, but apparently other people had not yet given up hope and they feel that their disappearance is what probably turned the tide and they're pointing the finger at him. Um, pretty interesting, I thought. Um, then you know, we've we- been seeing that throughout because, like, with the Soul Wars, Nagash sees him as the thief. Yeah, the Chaos but- gods see him as usurper. Well, yeah, but that's coming from Nagash, who's kind of a, a, a jackhole, and and the Chaos gods. And what do you think their point of view on anything? So, like, when that was coming through, it was like, well, yeah, but you're the jerk. So, like, if if he's doing this mm-hmm. and you don't like it. Come on, Nagash doesn't like anyone doing anything, though. Like, but even with like Teclas and stuff. Granted, he's a haughty butthole himself, but um, yeah, it's just like it's different perceptions, and not it's seeing everything from more angles than we have. Like the typical archetype of who Sigmar is, of who these godly characters are. Yeah, Teclas's take on Sigmar I find interesting too, because Teclas doesn't necessarily seem to think what he's doing is wrong. It's more like you know. You're not looking at the big picture, or you're, you know, maybe, maybe, you, you know, you're, you're getting a little. It's like he seems to be almost more cautioning him, like, don't, you, you know, you're, you're going too, you might be going a little too far. Yeah, um, it's like, dummy, I made these mistakes before, but I'm not going to admit it. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, then you get this, you know, and of course, you can go through here. You got some of the stuff about Corgus Cool. One of the things I liked, one line that stuck out with me, because we all know these stories at this point. If you've been following the game, you know the stories about Corgus Cool and Vandis Hammerhand fighting. But he was, I didn't realize he had the other dude's skull that he had, which would have been this, like, he would have built the mountain and proceeded. Yeah, Jactus Golden Mane. Right. And he would have, dude, Demon Prince right there. And instead, Vandis is standing on the bottom and calls him out. And he takes the fight. And even when I read that, I'm like, man, that's just that's the dumbest. Like that, you know that the, the bad guy's there about to win, and then he decides to stop to do something dumb. And but then you read this one line. It's like um, he because corn has only contempt for cowards after all. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that's pretty good. Okay, yeah, you 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 have to take that challenge. And he and he kind of whoops Vandis's butt, except Vandis calls on Sigmar to call down the lightning and kind of save him there mm-hmm. so that and was, to shatter the pyramid yeah yeah and but it was just i thought that was a great little just it's those once again those little lines those little bits and it's like just add something to what you think you already know add that extra little layer mm-hmm. um then you get the story with Alariel and all the stuff that went on in the realm of life uh the finding of galmaraz yeah, um, and then it carries on into the Realm Gate Wars series. So it's like a brief little blurb regarding each one of the books uh, right. from the Realm Gate series. Uh, the God kind of compressing beasts, everything. The gates, yeah. yeah, nothing there that is not too. The one thing that did stick out was with Archeon when he was going to bind the Lord of Change, and then he kills Vandis and his entire crew. Um, one of the things, he seems to be the only one who sees how truly threatening the Stormcast Eternals can be and also sees opportunities for his ambition there as well. So that makes me wonder what else is going on with that. 
Well, at the end of the day, his ambition is to destroy all the realms. It's not to conquer, it's to destroy. Yeah, but then what, 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 where does the opportunity come in with the Stormcast then? Like, in fact, you'd think they would, that would actually slow him down. So my questions start to become, well, what is he planning? What's he doing? He mm-hmm. seems like he seems like an underutilized villain. To he me. is, and maybe it's because they build him up to be so stupid powerful. Because he kind of is. That uh, I mean, he was taken on. You know, he's willing to take on Sigmar, and Sigmar's leery of him. So that I mean, that's why he's underutilized. He's almost too powerful. But he has too much rend. <laughs> yes, he does. But that balances out when you got a, a, a sword that can just basically, on a six, just take you off the board. So you got to balance it somewhere. Um, uh, now, if we jump forward a little bit, where was I? Uh, God beasts, uh, God beasts, the gates are held and lost. Oh, they start talking about the seeds of hope. And they start talking about the cities that Illyrio builds. First of all, 14 days and nights, she just stood around like... You know, I mean, she has complete control over her realm, but she's, you know, bending the trees and twisting all the things to create. She, she creates a whole city in like two weeks, just building it just from the sheer force of her will right out of the stuff there in nature. Very cool. Watching over the hollow forest. She realizes that none of the Sylvaneth will stay there, though. Nobody wants to garrison. Excuse me. So she gives it to the humans to defend. Um what comes in cool is then you see the guy building Greywater Fastness and working on the Phoenicium. Uh, Valius Maliti? Maliti? He's yes. the, the visionary architect who, who designed all these cities. Uh, interesting bit. These three cities, you know, they build these three huge cities, but they didn't build in that normal fashion where people come and it grows naturally. So you've got three islands amidst a sea of chaos stuff that still control the realms. But that does give people hope when they see these big shining areas, you know? But mm-hmm. uh, Valus, Valius has been corrupted by Zinch. And as he's doing the designs, everybody thinks, you know, he's a super genius and he's such a great architect. And so nobody's really, he's, he's you know, he does nothing, there's never thing, you know, you never have bad things happen when he's building. You never have disasters. So everyone just goes along with what he's doing. And he's sitting there and like planting stuff in the city, like setting stuff up in certain patterns and things. To help aid Zinch, you know, in dozens of cities, laying the groundwork for the corruption to uh, to come through, which is, I think, some pretty cool stuff. Um, I didn't realize that that was going on, and you see how this this lays down. Mm-hmm. Um, the part here that really sticks out to me, though, is talking about the Stormcast and their creation. Um, they talk because uh, here you get a little more detail on what happens to them, I think, and it, it's it's quick and concise, but it's really great. Just talking about how the more they reforged, they lose sight of the subtler virtues. They lose compassion. They lose pity. They lose mercy. Um, the the ver, the these things that made them human are slowly bits are eroding away. Um. Mm-hmm. So Sigmar knew it might carry a cost. He did not realize the full scope of the strange curse that would come to afflict them. Something is lost in the process. Over time, many of those who've been reforged too many times were altered in body as well as in spirit. Others became ever more powerful creatures of the storm. 
For long years, none spoke openly of their fears, for it's all but forbidden to doubt the God King. Interesting. Vandis Hammerhan was the first to put in words his concerns of the future that awaited him. He was plagued by visions of a soul he came to think of as the Lightning Man, a figure of crackling energy he feared represented his future self. In Sigmar's cities, those have been reforged too many times, became totems of awe and fear. Uh, transfigured warriors made for an excellent shock troops in the war against chaos. Their reduced humanity made them very dangerous for those who strayed from the true path of Sigmar's teachings. There are stories here where they went in to get the to cleanse the taint of chaos and then just killed anybody who had any badness in them at all. It's like, uh-oh. Yeah, that would be the celestial vindicators in the Knights Excelsior because yep. that's what they do. Yeah, um... And it, when those things would happen, the chaos gods would just sort of get that going and let let the stormcast go and wipe people out on their own. They're like happy to let them do it. Um, it Sigmar dwelt long on the dilemma that had befallen his chosen warriors. It galled him to admit he may have been too hasty in his reforgings. Already, the implications were unfolding across the realms. Then you talk the celestial vindicators things in there. Um, that's happening. Um, and then somewhere in the divine process of reforging, a small portion of each soul was escaping in the ether. Perhaps Sigmar had known this all along, but had no other choice. Had he not mustered such numerous armies when he did, the mortal realms would likely have been lost forever. Only now was the cost of his last-ditch attempt to save them becoming clear. And then that's when the sacrosanct chamber opens, and so um, this is where they up- upset Nagash because he's sending people now to start looking into this as well. Uh, A question hung in the air, though none dared to ask it out loud. Was it possible for a warrior to become so pure, so holy, that to the eyes of the mortal man, he would be the embodiment of terror? Um, And then they talk a little bit more about the stolen souls and how when they go in there, apparently, uh, you know, they open the, the new chamber and we've got all these wizards. And it's like, oh, we're not just going in to go stop Nagash and his nastiness. We're going in and we're sh- we're sending in these guys. They're looking for information. And that was a pretty cool bit that I did not pick up. Now, I, like I said, unless they talked about this in the newest Stormcast Eternals uh, battle tome. Yeah, they do. Okay. So there's, there, I just I, I was not going to read a fifth Stormcast or fourth Stormcast Eternals battle tome. I, you know, lore. I'm like, nope, hadn't done it. Um but that's that's some pretty interesting stuff. They also talk about the different things, um, you know, the different other people who were taking souls, including Tyrion, Teclis, Malarian, um, all of them. Anybody, Marathi, who, the Deep Kin. Yep. Anybody who's taken souls, they uh, he's like, I will get you back, and you know that's what he does because that's what he does. Uh, and then there's a little talk about Nagash and the Gravesand and Sigmar the Soul Thief. Um, and just builds into the Soul Wars, the Necroquake. Mm-hmm. Now, here's one last thing I want to talk about before we pause and then start getting into the... Uh, come, we'll uh, take a break and then we'll come and talk about the uh, the Mortal Realms. Is the Black Pyramid. Mm-hmm. And now, when this thing when this thing happened... I didn't realize that the pyramid was spinning upside down like a top so fast it's just going crazy. The lands nearest the heart of Shyish were drained of all color and life, leaving only bleached wastelands behind. Every creature for a hundred leagues was blasted to dust. So they don't even have color 
Like, that's how much it sucked everything out of the place. As the Black Pyramid became heavier with magical energy, it began to sink into the heart of the realm. Not so much drilling into it as buckling, stretching, drawing the lands of Shyish down around it like an iron cannonball placed on a sheet of tanned human skin. Um, around the inverted pyramid was a maelstrom, a vortex, a hungering whirlpool of energy that gathered in everything, be it living or dead, earthbound or aerial, physical or ethereal, and drew it ever downward. At the very bottom was Nagash, drinking in every mote of power and every soul that slid down into his clutches. The magical energy converged on this site, pulled down at an infinitely dense point, known thenceforth as the Shyish Nadir, the end of all things. Um... Even Nagash, there's so much raw magical energy, even Nagash can't stay there indefinitely. And then it says, corrupted as it was by traces of chaos magic, it became a place of insanity as well as death. A new evil had come to the mortal realms, and inescapable as time itself, and with it, a new era of death ascendant. There's a lot in that one page, and I was skipping over big chunks of it. Mm-hmm. But just the great descriptions of the necroca- necroquake and what it did and all of that. I mean, if you if you're the thing I really like with this is we got I mean that whole history uh, which we managed to recap in about you know, thirty minutes, and you've still got now all this information about the mortal realms, which is really cool and can really I think uh, people looking for ideas can really get some inspiration. Mm-hmm. From the bits and stories in there, uh, and of course, then you get to the the alliances and talking about the different factions and things like that, which is always going to be interesting. But this is just the lore we know, and as I'm reading this, it's brought up so many questions for me about who's what, who's doing what, and why. I'm just like, this is great. This is really fantastic, and you know, like I said, we haven't even gotten to the meat of it, which is the, all the cool stuff. I, I think the Mortal Realm stuff is my favorite stuff in here. The descriptions of the realms, Um, and why don't we? We'll take a break, and then when we come back, we will um, we'll talk about the mortal realms. Sounds great. Lindsay's gamer garrison in Wakanda, Illinois. Wow, that's terrible. But they're not. They carry the full GW range for all your hobby cravings, and customers get 10% off their purchases every single day at Lindsay's Gamer Garrison. What makes Lindsay so special? Well, there's weekend events for AOS, 40K, Underworlds, Song of Ice and Fire, Star Wars Legions, pretty much every other tabletop game going on, and they've got something there going on almost every weekend. If tabletop gaming is your thing, there's always something happening at Lindsay's. But David, you say, what if I want to support Lindsay's but can't always make it out there? Well, I'm glad you asked. Lindsay's online store makes shopping easy. Just go to lindsaysgarrison.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-S, garrison.com, and fill your cart with hobby goodness. Show listeners. You can enter GH Savings at checkout for extra specials and discounts. And did I mention free shipping for orders over 50 bucks? Because, yeah, there's free shipping for orders over 50 bucks. That's like a book in a box or two boxes. It's so easy. That's Lindsay's. And don't forget, enter GH Savings at checkout at lindsaysgarrison.com. That's Lindsay's Game of Garrison in Wakanda, Illinois. That's horrible. I'm leaving it in.
We are back. We are. And we are in the mortal realms. Yeah, quite figuratively, and in this case, quite literally. So, yes. So, now, we've all seen the the video, or, you know, that Warhammer TV put out with the Varen Spire in the middle and everything circling around it, and how Hish and Ulgu sort of, you know, spin around each other, and Shade Spire's in between that and stuff like that. Um... I didn't realize how big each of the realms are, though. Yeah, they're gigantic. Like, we've been playing mostly, and the stories, at least like when they give Akshi as the example, uh, there was the, the thing that happened at the Orb Inferna, and then basically we spent most of the time in the Great Parch, which, mm-hmm. when you look at that, it goes, all right, if this was like, uh, like when you look at the picture, if this was like a frozen pizza. We've been playing inside of the size of about a pepperoni mm-hmm. on that pizza. Like that's that's huge. I mean yes. because it already seemed vast in where they were playing. And I was like, "Oh no, that's just a tiny bit of it, you know, this whole realm." And then they they sort of explain it is kind of bubbles. Remember when remember when the rumor train was going around back in what was it 2014? Mm-hmm. About what this, and they're like, you're playing in little spheres, and you jump between spheres and other people's, other people's realms, and we're like, wait, what? Each race has a realm. Each what has a realm? And it's like, oh no, it says it's literally what is it? It's uh, what does it say? Energy of each realm. Imagine as huge plates of land that linger within a sphere of pure essence. And at the heart is where most of the human settlements are, and at the elder realms edges, and they're all different. Some are endless deserts, some are misty. In the realm of life, it's a jungle so thick that you just can't get through it. And people who get too close to it with all the magic either start to sprout foliage or, oh, this, perpetually giving birth. No. That sounds horrible. That does sound horrible. <laughs> Sire new forms of life or take root entirely. And that's like, oh, okay, so the edges do weird stuff. Because mm-hmm. that's where all the collection of the realm stone is. Um, with the exception of Shaish, because Nagash pulled it all to the middle. But just the sheer size is crazy. The scope is something that we never had before this book came out, with the concept of the maps and just how big each one of the mortal realms is. Yeah. Because like when you first read it, it sounds like, okay, all that is the realm of fire is the Great Parch, or these other like continents, because we're used to the scope of a continent yeah. or something like that for our gaming and um, for our background. But here we're looking at essentially like separate worlds that exist. And it's that kind of scope that we're playing on. Right. And remember, didn't we figure out how far? Neg- yeah. When we did the uh, soul wars episode, when we were covering the uh, necroquake, like how far the skeletons had to walk to grab the grave sand and then walk all the way back to the gashes are. So from, yeah, the radius we figured is like how many times, I mean, several, several times around the earth. Yeah. It's pretty ridiculous. And so it's, and that's just that one realm. And that's just that one. Is that the whole realm or is that the part of that realm? Because remember in the realm of death, there are all these separate pieces. So I, was, I didn't know if the edges were just the whole realm or the edges of certain parts of the realm. But this thing I, seems huge. Yeah, I like to think that it's the top layer that's the biggest. 
right. and that's what we should be measuring as far as like the encompassing. But then it's been pulling downwards in death because of the nadir. Right. So uh, let's take a look at some of this. Now, when they talk about the realm of fire, now the the four realms we've been in a bunch have gotten like, you know, five or six pages, well, four pages in their maps. Mm-hmm. Uh, Much, little... But they're still small pieces. Yes. And here's, so like I said, the great part is like we said, you show it's about the size of that, you know, like a pepperoni on a pizza. And then, and I don't know if this is to scale or whatnot, but then you start looking and like, oh, there's Hammer Hall action. And then you zoom in and that giant, huge, monstrous city, you know, that we look, it's just like that one spot on there. So like you said, yeah, this is, this is at least continent size, probably much larger. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's those spans. Um, they all sort of the, the everything in the place sort of uh, is affected by the magic in it. So you got fast, hard, and violent lives in the realm of fire. People with uh, t- quick tempers, things like that. Um, and Sigmar coming back really got these people going because they were. Even though they were beat down pretty bad, the, the, their very nature is ready for a fight. So when they see someone yeah. fighting for them, they jump in on it. Yeah, and even if you look down, so for those that are following along at home, we're on the bottom of page 85 uh-huh. in the lower left corner. You see where it says the Igneous Delta and the Brimstone Peninsula at the very tip of the continent? Yep. That's where a lot of the fighting went went on. So that if you think about that massive scope and then you take a look at this bigger piece and then like try to scale up to the rest of it and it's just gigantic. Yeah. And it seems to me like it's a set a whole set of islands kind of floating through existence. Right, a lot of them seem to be that way. Whatever's between them, but it's it's, it's like the flat earth if there was a flat earth. But this is like actually there's flat realms. Yes. It's crazy. There's it's the the size, the scope is wonderful, and then they go through some of the histories and a bunch of it we know, but then they give you some little fun parts in here. I mean, if you really want to, you know, get, get a backstory for an army, um, yeah. Um, in each one of the mortal realms, we see like a wizard from that realm, and like that is just the scope of those characters. Um, and there's one for each one of the realms of what these people look like. Um, so it's like, if those could be made into models, come on. Right. It's, there's one on here, the grim, a grim haven, the Golvarians, which is one of the ancient, uh, tribes are edged out of their lands by fierce magic wielding undead hunters from the Esperian academies. They flee to the Eastern Isle of ghouls and for a while make common cause with the, Generate feudal courts that live there, that sounds like blister skin, an offshoot of an ancient dynasty whose generations of inbreeding have taken a terrible toll. Yuck. Hmm. But interesting stuff. They, they, they drop it in here. I'm trying to think of which one of these really grabbed my attention, but I don't have. Oh, it's... um. They got the magic elite of that place. It's from the Blood God Strikes on page 88. Mm-hmm. Above the plateau, the elite of Armentina eliminates an entire army of corn demons with a vast doomsday weapon they call the Prismaticon. 
Um, digging themselves safe on their flying island. <laughs> Blood God manifests a, gi- a giant red fist in order to strike their island, and it crashes spectacularly into the arid sands below. Um, without their magical constructs, then the hand of the ever-chosen guy goes in there and just starts destroying things left and right. But, <laughs> hey, you can't catch us. We're up in the air. You don't fly. We're just going to throw magic at you. Oh, that's really that's actually probably a bad idea. Mm-hmm. I like that one. But um, should we move into the realm of life? Sure. Okay. One of the things I liked about the realm of life is it has something like uh, the regular seasons and up to a dozen more. The burgeoning, mm-hmm. the reaping, the secret remorse, the great lack. So they, I suppose when you live in that type, I mean, the realm of life, there's so much... Stuff there growing. I suppose you'd have a much more subtle knowledge or you know feel for the seasons. Yeah, well, that makes a lot more sense because in prepping my deck for this weekend, there's a lot of references to things I don't understand with the Sylvaneth, the Trio in it, uh-huh. uh, Warband. They have a spell called Pangs of the Great Lack. They have um, a spell called the Reaping on their leader. So it's tying these extra little nuggets in to something beyond this. There's cool stuff. Now, a lot of this stuff is stuff we've already heard. Although they've got Kurnoth running around to the hunter god. Does that, is that Orion? Is that who that is? Or was Orion's Orion? dead. Oh, okay, so Kurnoth. But Kurnoth is kind of like him? Nah, not really. Oh, okay. He is. I just don't want to give Thomas a... <laughs> like Thomas is listening. All right. Um, uh, that is also true. Uh there are a couple of interesting points on this map. Again, this is just a small piece. Um, did you see something called Femir Bay? They mentioned the Femir in here. I have that written in my... Uh, actually, wrote it right here on the book because... Wait, wait the Femir? Like, mm-hmm. I thought they kind of dumped that. I thought everyone except Mr. Saturday Night was, uh, was like forgot about them. Yeah. They, I mean, they do have the models for them for Forge World, and I guess they're actually like, starting to incorporate them. And they even did that with the uh, Legion of Asgore. Yeah. They're incorporated into the Realm of Fire. But I just found it funny. It's like, wait, Famir Bay? What? Yeah, I was surprised to see them in there myself. Um, what else is happening here? Now, it was interesting that Nagash came in and took over parts of her territory, parts of the Realm <laughs> of Life. And she would like basically was like, okay... I guess we'll, you know, make a truce. You just take, you know, it's suddenly that's the it's the it's the appeasement mm-hmm. of undead Hitler running through and just taking stuff over. Oh, that's such a bad idea. That is such a bad idea. I know. It even says neither Nagash's lieutenants nor the native uh, Dreadwood Sylvaneth abide by their truce for long, and violence breaks out again. Um, and that's when Bayamot comes and creates the Sons of Bayamot, and that's a big old mess right there. Um, there's so much fun story in here. Uh, like mm-hmm. I said, the Samir get mentioned, and there's the lands writhe in pain. Uh, the Seeds of Hope. You get the... Uh, okay, the Seeds... Okay, they build this city, right? And then they have Valius Malti coming in again, doing more zinchi and muckraking as he's building the city. But, okay, this city... 
Greywater fastness becomes a center of industry and an artillerist's haven, boasting more cannons per mile of city walls than anywhere in the... How many miles of city walls do they have? How big is that? How big is the place? Um, I mean, Several. Yeah, I mean, it just... When they're more per mile than any other place. How many... We're measuring this by miles. Okay. Um, But yeah, then they start cutting down too much... Too much... uh, Plant life, and uh, they gotta. They have. They 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 start upsetting the the Sylvanes so much. They have to make a truce just to get in and out of the place because they start attacking them because they're killing so much trees. Yeah, and they also like. Oh, there it is. For the bridge too far, it's because of what they're turning the area into through the industry. Yeah, the Sylvanes like lay siege and don't let people out or into. So they have to negotiate a truce in order to stop the city from dying. Yes, it's it's uh, well, you know, there you go. Hey, don't don't destroy the the land around you in your growth because uh, the, the trees here can actually get angry with you. Mm-hmm. Millions of lives are 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 spent. Um, when they uh, start take when Alarial starts taking on the Glotkin and those guys, millions of lives, and then you start to get islands of order coming together in this place. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, mostly the stuff you've heard, but fun little tidbits that you can always add on to. What about Shyish? Now, did anything stand out to you in this one? Because you catch this stuff sometimes. At least I know you were taking some notes on it. Yeah, it's just. If you look at the map, I'm trying to find it. Um, but like they mention a lot of things that we've talked about, like Carstinia, uh, which is where Manfred is kind of living out of, um, and how close that is getting to the Nadir. You're also looking at Glim's Forge, which is way out from right the Nadir, and there's the Deific Mons, which is right there. So. They've got all of these things that are mentioned, and it's just it's being drawn inevitably towards. Um, and even just like the names of the areas, it's like the Dwindle Sea or the Draining Tides. Um, it does talk about the Cataphranes and Shadespire. Um, I think it's interesting that as long as you have enough believers, it can hold you back on the edges from getting sucked in. Mm-hmm. To the as, as you start to be forgotten is when you get sucked in quicker and quicker. Yeah. I also like that Manfred doesn't live in Carstinia anymore. He's abandoned the place and abdicated his throne. Mm-hmm. He built it. He made it. There's no real challenge to keep it with all of his other family members he constantly fought with being dead. And basically, it's like he's only holding it because Nagash is letting him. And since he's not really holding it, it's just like, oh, forget it. It's mm-hmm. just... Yeah. I like that. Well, what about the Assassin's Rest? Did you read that one? Quietus Interrupted? No. Uh, Assassin's Rest is a land shamed like a hook, symbol of Shyish. It's home to the ghosts of the most notorious killers of the age. They go around there, and um, their rest is that they they don't they can only see themselves. They can't see anybody else there. So all these killers go around invisible to all the other other ones. They're spirits, so they're alone. There's this this feeling that's their that's the peace that they have. They never have to look. They never have to watch over their shoulder or anything like that. But uh, the necromancers come in and it says, with a legion of undead assassins at his command, he destabilizes a dozen nations in a single night. 
That's a I, I got that's a cool. If you can focus your army on that, it would be totally have to be a you know a, a themed army, but uh, and it probably wouldn't be very good at the table, but it might be cool to try it. Yeah, there's one spot on the map that I found interesting was the Zarvixa, which is the infernal industry of twisted Dwarden siphons the raw energy of death from within dark waters. So with the rules for mercenaries coming out in the new GHB, you could do like a twisted sort of either like Legion of Asgore or Dispossessed with undead troops. Hmm. Which would be like a really cool, like thematic army. That would be cool. And it's like a seaport, so it's like way out in the middle of nowhere. So you could do like undead monsters or something like that for Kadai. Like it just seems like there's a lot of options there. But that's just taking a look at one piece on a map and saying, where can I take this? I'm just look. I'm just kind of flipping through all these little stories that I have notes on. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, this is the part where. Um, that's right. In, under a search, the search for eternity. This is uh, they, where Sigmar sends in the anvils back in, and it says some whisper there's more to Sigmar's agenda than simple vengeance. For the storm hosts have a new breed of stormcast with them, appearing more wizard than warrior. They seek to uncover the true secrets of immortality in an attempt to perfect the reforging process. So this is the latest chamber that's opened. And it's like, oh, those guys aren't just destroying stuff. They're going through and collecting all the <laughs> They're collecting all the stuff that they can for uh, when they you know, you defeat a necromancer, take all of his work, see if we can figure out. Mm-hmm. I kind of uh I kinda of like that. Like this is opening up this Because you know, this I, I I just don't see the story going, Oh, and Sigmar figured it out, everybody's perfectly fine. They can just Realign forever without any problems. I have a problem believing that's the way that story is going to go. Stories mm-hmm. in this type of a world with this type of a vast, uh, you know, spread are. Oh no, it's still going. Now it's going horribly wronger. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to get Chaos Stormcast. But if you want, if, do you want Chaos Stormcast? Because this is how you get Chaos Storm or Undead Stormcast. Yeah, and even when we did Soul Wars, uh, Nagash had twisted one of them into some sort of oh yeah wraith knight thing. Not really sure what he was, but he was unique. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what we'll say. Yes, should we move to the realm of metal? Chamo. <laughs> this one I did a lot of reading on, uh, looking at like designing my next army, which is the. Stormcast, the white ones that I mentioned earlier. Um, what I didn't understand is why Zinch initially went to the realm of metal. Like, my initial thought was, okay, well, it's a concept of alchemy and, like, the changing nature of materials. Like, maybe that was it. But the actual story about why he goes to the realm of metal is because it's the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. That's how he got his foothold in this place. Yeah, because there's so many gems and so much precious metals that like we get the haves and the have-nots really bad. And the have-nots are the ones that want change. They're praying for change. And they get it. Hope and change. 
You pray for hope and change, and you get zinch. <laughs> I'll give you change. Yeah. Oh, boy. So they do get that, but then it's the twisting and everything. But it's the rise of civilizations that breeds uh, where Zinch can interfere and get into everything. Um, and then it's just like they have all these different oceans and everything. It's like, is this all water? Is this liquid metal? Because they've mentioned like moats of molten quicksilver and everything. So, so but wait a minute. Now, I'm reading this, too, and I said something I thought was interesting. Now, Grimnir fought Volcatrix and got blowed up, right? Yes. And now his body essence is creating ether gold, right? Mm-hmm. Now, apparently that's not unique to him because <laughs> the very first part of the, part of this, uh, after being freed from his bondage by the god King Sigmar, Grungeny fashioned the 19 wonders of Shaman. His exertions are such that his breath mingles with the dust of the forges to form skyborne clouds of ether gold. Yeah. So Grunier just... becomes the Urgold, and then Grunjni, his breath is what I... becomes the ether gold. Is that is that it? Or is there other Yeah. Oh, so so Grimnir didn't make ether gold? I... No, Grimnir is Urgold. Oh, okay. So I thought I kinda thought he did both. No. Yeah, the Urgold is the parts, and the Ether Gold was whatever was up in the air. Yeah, it's the bits of dust um, gotcha. from the forge, and the, that has since spread throughout the realms. So this isn't just confined to metal. And he builds them this perfect place to build, and then satisfied that his folk are walking the path of self-sufficiency, he departs to pay, repay his debt to Sigmar. He joins the Pantheon of Order and dwells long in his ear to forge the fabled Sigmarabulum. So you get that uh, cool, but in 80 generations of prosperity, and dwarves live a long time, so 80 generations is long. Well, it's not just dwarves, it's also humans. Mm. Okay, well, fine then. Then it's short. Or maybe it's medium. Let's go with medium. <laughs> I, I love this picture of the guy with the neck brace. And all the and all the metal armor except on his arms. Oh, the whiz bang. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the load griffin, a giant metallic god beast, like that's yep. that's magnetic. Mm-hmm. And the fortress sized creature makes his nest, and that starts pulling apart all the beautiful, perfect islands that the that the they created. And yeah, uh, and. The change is so much that it forms this sprawl known as the spiral crux, which is the map that's pictured here. Yes. Um, the cool part is that they put together. Now, once again, you get nine representatives from these different places, and they're all wizards. And they do this. They do this giant spell. Eight of them die in the process. The ninth one turns out to be a zinch. Gaunt Summoner, and so he flies mm-hmm. away as the spell. The God Beast is turned into solid gold, and so the magnetic curse ends. And I was like, whoa! The act carries a cost so profound it alters reality across the spiral crux that his death scream tears a hole in the sky above the crux, a rift through which spill legions of flying demonic hordes and a new age. So the age of chaos opens in their realm. 
with yeah, the Zuchi and chaos. demon killing this griffin. The lone griffin, yeah. That's where they talk about how Zinch has plans and plans and plans. Hey, look, I can Mm -hmm. fix this for you all. And it did fix that problem. Yeah, it gave him the foothold to send in his legions, which it is. Now, granted, he doesn't win through military might all the time, but this is... I sowed the seeds a very long time ago. Yeah. The Caradron overlords basically are uh, born at this point. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, is this where they put together the code or is that not here yet? Yes. It's where they start to. Yeah. The conference of Ma, Madralta that produces the document known as the code. The predecessors of the Caradron overlords are born. So that's where the, the contracts come in at that point. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. There's some cool stuff here. Uh, and this also explains how you get the, the overlords and the, and the Stormcast working together. Mm-hmm. The Night Venators and the Storm and them coming together. And they actually have their own a newly coined Ether Strike Force entering the legislation of the Caradron Code. So they're actually in part of their laws that you can team up and do stuff with them. Yeah. And that's an actual battalion in the yep. Overlord's book. Now that's the four that have multiple pages, and we just touched on our favorite bits and bobs. Like that's there's there's a bunch there. Like you know, mm-hmm. I know it's only about four or five pages each, but still, well, you know, when these books, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, should we continue on to the ones that only get a couple of pages each, like the Realm of Shadow is the next one here? Yep. Yeah, now the Realm of Shadow, we've had a bit of an insight to uh, with the Daughters of Cain book um, and getting a bit a better idea of what life is like there, the dark, the mist wreathed, everything, um, and how it's shadows within shadows. And it's ruled over by Malarian, and then Marathi's got her own little nook, but naturally she does things that she does. And they don't like each other still. They get to the no. new, they get to the whole new, they went through the destruction of an entire world. They're in a new realm of reality. They meet up with each other like, God, I still hate you. You're still a jerk. Yeah, well, you're a B word. Oh, yeah, well. Uh, but I do like that Sigmar woke him up. Sigmar's presence awakens Malarian, and he's literally a shadow. He's in the shadow realm. He's the he's the what is he the avatar of the of shadow magic. He's a shadow, and it's his rage and fury that with fury came solidity and a measure of godly power. So once again, it's his rage and his anger which gives him his power and actually allows him to become solid. Mm-hmm. Well, they also talk about. Um the 13 kingdoms or the 13 dominions, which when I first read that, I was thinking that has to be Skaven because of the number 13. It's a number, it's a number of uh, kingdoms that have been settled, but they're kind of at war with each other because of Zinch, which I don't, I don't understand because it's impacted by Zinch, but Zinch really has no place in there except to, like, sneak in and get the realm gates to open because those are the weak points. Yeah. Um, so, and it's just like a combination because, like, it's Zinch and then Corn comes in, except his stuff gets swallowed up by fog banks and then they're gone. Yeah, nobody knows what happened to them. And then you've obviously got Slanesh moving in now. 
um, with his God seekers trying to find him. Right. Yeah, because we got more of that story in the uh, in the daughter's Demonettes. book. Yeah, or in the Demonette's book, wasn't it? Well, we got we haven't done Head of Nights yet. We haven't done it yet. Yeah, right. But the daughters of Cain is where they're saying Slanesh is starting to encroach more into the realm of shadow. Oh, that's right. Um, the realm of light, multifaceted and ordered as a finely cut gem or delicate paper structure. A realm of symbolism and mind expanding. Arithmetic lore. Hish's interlocking planes are inhabited by people elevated to higher thoughts by the very nature of their homelands. This is kind of cool. So it's just like the super enlightened area, like literally mm-hmm. light and enlightened. Well, yeah. that's what those, and that goes back to what, doesn't that go back to what the, what Teclis gave to Sigmar before him and <laughs> him and Yeah, Christ the enlightenment engines. Yes. That's, I mean, that's, that's that was a cool item, and you start reading this like, oh man, their whole realm is like that. I kind of like this place. Like, I want to see more stuff going on in here. Yeah, and it's one of those things that it's like it focuses on the context of obsession and insight, and like the pursuit of knowledge. So that's where Slanesh can sneak in, mm-hmm. um, and that's how it gets corrupted with Hish. Um, and it's obviously ruled over by Tyrion and Teclis as best as they can. Um, but they also talk about, where was it? Um, like how there's a rivalry between scholars um, and it just keeps building and building and building. And they lean upon Ether Quartz, which is the realm stone right. of Hish, and how they just keep going through for greater leaps of mental agility and understanding turning into an addiction essentially. So it's the addiction to power and knowledge. It also makes them physically quicker though. Mm -hmm. And that mentions that in there. And that leads me back to thinking about the old high elves. Yeah. And how they always, you know, they always striking first They're moving quicker because you can, I mean, if you can, if you can think that fast, and you know what, I I, I keep picturing it like those uh, scenes from like uh, what's it, the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes, mm-hmm. like before the fight, he looks around and he's like within the within a second, he's like plotted out every move, and then yep. it's just a matter of going to do it. And when you know it that way, it's it, 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 it's it's almost pre you know, plus mixed with actual speed. It's like oh goodness, yeah. And there's one thing on here that they also mentioned is that uh, it brings out their personal weaknesses, um, which is brought out into the light. It's at uh, that great light of revelation or whatever it is, like how Teclis um, had very brilliantly done to the Deepkin before they said, peace out, bro, you're an idiot. Um, and then retreated because it's bringing everything to light, even the bad stuff. Oh, yeah. Even though in, earlier in the book it did call them their savior, Teclis, but that's okay. You can say it how you want to say it. It was in this book. Got, those exact words. He still got a dunce hat, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, the lure of pride and pursuit of, of perfection create a spectrum of unhealthy qualities. Yep. So there, you got that coming to sneak in. Um, you know what? Mm-hmm. Let's. Uh, we only have the two more, unless we want to really talk about chaos. But we've talked about chaos a bunch before. Um, mm-hmm. But why don't we do this? We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll do the last two, and then we'll wrap up the show.
Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? Six Squared Studios. Well, then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. And we are back, and we are now in entering the realm of beast. Grr. Realm of beast. It's a lot of fist fighting and craziness here. Lots of bones out in the places. Uh, there's fun stuff in this realm, like these little bits that they drop. Um, just the the size of the monsters that who who's you know are creating valleys when they're digging and cutting into things. You know, we're hunting megafauna and behemoths. It's like, wait, what? Um, you might seek refuge in a cave one night and emerge. Now, this is I thought this was interesting. Not only does the animal life migrate, the plant and and planet, like the, the actual realm moves. The features of land attack each other. This place is that aggressive. A traveler might seek refuge in a cage one night and emerge the next morning to find the horizon has changed, the landmarks having slid slightly, but discernibly, out of position. Here, the mountain moves in search of ice with which to armor its flanks. Just as the open plain grinds the mountain's edge to a sharp gravel, the better to protect its crust from the feet of those who seek to traverse it. The river conquers the hills, gradually carving them apart with the rocks it has ripped from the high peaks. The hills shiver free from those forests that seek to take root upon them with avalanches of rubble. The actual land itself is fighting. Mm -hmm. That's great. I read that. I'm like, yeah. Are you serious? Mm -hmm. um, you don't even put up giant walls around your city. Giant walls around your city invite giant things to knock them over. But you right. make lots and lots of rings of outward-facing spikes, the little palisades of spikes. Because if you want to run through that, there's a good chance you're going to impale yourself. And if you do and you die, we'll just bring out fire if you're big enough and just cook you right there. And then we'll mm -hmm. eat you. I love this realm. It's so stupid. Yeah, there's a lot. Uh, like now, we've seen a lot of stuff that has gone on in the realm of beasts, but it's still essentially the wild, wild west. Chaos uh, didn't even really conquer it. Not really, because it fought back. Yeah, and it fought back hard, and they weren't ready. Like Archaon is sending some of his best and brightest out there, and they're like, "Yeah, boss, you don't know what it's like. These things are animals, literally animals." And the more we beat them, the angrier they get. This like it's almost like fighting the Hulk. Yeah, because you know that's the Hulk from the comic book. At least the more you hit him, the more you smash him around. The angrier he gets, the more powerful he gets. Mm -hmm. So it's like it's impossible to take him down because the more you beat him, the more pissed off he's getting, and he's coming at you harder. 
and they think it's great fun. Best part, and I'm not even talking. We haven't even mentioned like all the the uh, that the the ogres are still running through here. Yeah, and I found it funny that they go around near the realm's edge, um, as opposed to like the inner lands. So they're exposed to more, which is dangerous. But wouldn't that also explain why they, why it was so easy to set a giant never ending? I mean, isn't the um, what are they called? What are the what's the name? The storm. The Beast Claw Raiders, right? Um, they're running in front of that giant storm, that storm, that ice storm, whatever they're called. The Everwinter. Thank you. It makes sense that the Everwinter is almost like the first endless spell that just follows them around because they stay out on the edge. Of course, it never dies out and it follows them around. I wonder what happens if they move to the middle, if they can get away from that for a while. Maybe. I mean, it, you know, it doesn't matter. They, they would never think to do it. They're just like, brah, 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 brah. we're going to keep going. That's how they. That's what they say. Brah, 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 mm-hmm. brah. That's 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 ogre for let's keep going. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> arg, blah, blah, yes. Uh, oh, that should be the name of the episode. Arg, blah, blah. I'm going to write that down. Arg, uh, blah, Okay. That means let's get going. Okay. So, <laughs> what is wrong with me tonight? Who cares? Um, but yeah, that's the best part is that um, is that this is it is beyond the wild wild west. It is the unconquerable land. Um, no matter what chaos did, it couldn't take it down. Um, I look forward to more stories in there. Plus, honestly, the Realmgate story for that for for Gur was pretty cool. I mean, it seemed weird that it was inside that thing's mouth. But, but it that, makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, and it makes sense that nobody got a hold of it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're trying to hold this thing steady. You're fighting all around it. That's just agitating it. Yeah. So, uh, no, it was great. And then finally we get to Azir. Hi, Azir. Which I think is cool. Now, Azir sort of has that... Uh, Lands of the Valar feel from Lord of the Rings for me, mm-hmm. especially when you read it here, because it was like, this is what some of the cities used to look like in the other realms when Sigmar built them. You know, big, giant, beautiful, glowing. I mean, even this picture on page uh, 115. Arguably my favorite bit of art it, it's, in Age of Sigmar. It's a great one. But literally, you could replace all these Stormcast with, you know, Tolkien elves, and it would still work. Mm-hmm. We'd be like, well, where are the trees? Well, you can't see them. It's nighttime. And there's clouds. But this is gorgeous. And it's like, there's nothing else like this anymore. And it's just, it's, I think it's really cool. Um, I like how people came there from every every place. And then the, the, they, give, they explain the Sigmarabulum. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's basically, it's, okay, Malice is the name of the core of the world that was, which is basically, what did they call it? Um. Sigmarite. Now they call it Sigmarite. What did they call it in the old world? What was the name of the Gromril? Gromril. Isn't that it? No. I I thought it was. That was the core. Now they call it no. Sigmarite. It was the core of the world. No, we can't give. No. Oh, you just don't want to give credit to the, the dwarves used it. That doesn't mean they invented it. I'm just saying that's what was there. I thought that's what. It's, I'm, I, I don't know. I think it's just Sigmarite. Because how do they get to the core of the world? They didn't. It spread. I mean, there was more of it. I mean, it was veins of it all over. But at the core, it was that. Maybe it's something different. I just always thought it was Gromroll. 
that's the stuff that's toughest. That's hardest to destroy. So when everything go boom, that's still there. What's left of it in one big mass? Mm-hmm. Sigmar's semi-torporeal corpse and our you know body on there, and then Dracothian breathes life into it. And hey, it's easy for Grunge to work with it because he's used to it. Sure. Yep. And I do like uh, I like this little explanation. This last part. I want to read this one last. Unless you were, did you have this part highlighted? That last crime and punishment. Oh no! Before crime and punishment. Although that's a good one too. I'm talking about that last part before it. I'll do this part yeah. before it, and you do the crime and punishment. How's that? Or do you want to mm-hmm. go? Okay. Uh, through Grungeny's artifice, Lord Tyrion's mastery of the metaphysical arts, and Dracothian's power over the heavens, a ring was built around the broken world so vast it could house the population of Azerheim three times over. There was founded the Vault Celestial, home of the Pantheon in times of crisis. There, too, shone Sigindal, all the brighter, its light illuminating the dark moon of Daroth below. The forges of the six smiths are here. The anvil of apotheosis is here. Um, since its construction, the Sigmarabulum has rung to the hammers of a legion of warsmiths, those who create not only the Sigmarite weapons and armor which to wage war, but the warriors to wield them. It's just so cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, whatever you think of Sigmar, love him or hate him, his realm is amazing. It's just, it's beautiful and it's pretty cool. And plus, you got all these master dwarf smiths and engineers and they're doing their thing. And uh, it's it's awesome. What what better than the union of men and Dwarden putting stuff together, kicking everybody else's butt? That's the awesome thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to take crime and punishment? And we'll wrap up this part of this. Yeah. So this one, it, it just kind of lays the groundwork for some of the other things that didn't make sense to me initially. Uh, Sigmar's tolerance for lawbreakers is famously low. Through lawlessness comes disorder, and that way lies chaos. It was not always this way, for Sigmar originally hailed from a tribe of barbarians who fought, loved, and lived as they pleased. But with uncounted billions of souls looking to him for salvation, his methods have become ever more extreme. Long ago, in allowing peoples from every realm to seek safe haven in Azir, he also allowed an influx of hidden agents of chaos to infect his city. Matters came to a head, and he descended in wrath, not only slaying every citizen who bore the mark of chaos, but destroying all those who harbored hatred in their hearts. It was a statement of intent that few could ignore. So, when you're processing, like, <laughs> the Celestial Vindicators or the Knights Excelsior, it, it doesn't ring true with the rest of the Stormcast. And then you read that, and it's like, no, no, that's a part of Sigmar too. Yeah, it almost seems like you got all these different groups, and they're all like a different aspect of Sigmar's personality. Mm-hmm. I, I would, I, I'm wondering how many of them he's going to put together because you can get all these different parts. Uh, you know, I don't know, eighteen or twenty of them. Maybe name some guys in charge of each of them. Sigmar yeah. can go off to keep working on his grand plan. It yeah, it's work. some. Yeah, it's some small facet of what of who he is. Because um, even when we did, and we didn't even mention this, um, I was reading through Forbidden Power, and when the Celestine Prime turns into an anvil of the Hammer, he can start to see the spirits swirling around him, and they talk to him, because he is the keeper of the dead, the keeper of the memories, now being an anvil of the Hammer. So it's, again, that different aspect. 
and that's pretty cool. I like I like how this is going. I just like I said, there's there's I'm not gonna say there's nothing in here I didn't know because obviously I'm like oh this and oh that, but it's just another layer to stuff I thought I already knew. So it's totally <laughs> worth reading, um, especially if you get someone who's new who wants a big overview. This is great. Yeah, and like I said, we haven't even gotten to the the factions, and that that's another hundred pages, just about right there. Yeah, and even then, it's not amazingly current either. No, well, because we've had stuff happen, yeah, since then. Exactly. And this is out less than a year, right? Has it been a year yet? It'll be a year this month. Oh, is it a year? One year, and already it's moved so much. Like I said, this is, if you haven't gone through this and picked out some of the stuff that in here, if you're if you're looking for inspiration for this, Mm-hmm. There's stuff there. Even when and and the stuff we haven't covered yet. After all the beautiful photographs of all the stuff, like you get into forces of chaos. Everchosen's got just a page. You can then get slaves to darkness though. Bunch of stuff with corn zinch. Like even that little bit about the Everchosen. I keep looking at that, going, man, that would be kind of fun to play. Just Archeon and a bunch of Varengard. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if that's any good. Like I don't see people playing that, but I don't play as much as you guys do. So no, you. Like in game wise, it's not amazing, but it's cool as all get out to look at. Yeah. So, I think that's everything we're going to cover this episode, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we still got we covered a lot, and there's still a lot more that could be covered. But like you said, it's it's gone past it. How many more things have come out since then? Um, a lot. Well, a lot of it has been like the reintroduction of things, but like. Gloom Spike came out and that completely reinvented the section on like the Savage Tribes because it lumped a lot of things together. Right. The Moon Clan, the Spider Fang, and the Trogs. So you've got that, and then we've obviously had Slanesh come to the fold more, so So Yeah. And there's right. a lot of different angles that they could take it beyond just the armies that we have presently. And once again, I think the scope just leaves them open. Anything that they come up with, any bit of story, you can run it, and you're not going to be like, oh, well, what's going to happen to this over here? Mm-hmm. It's not happening anywhere near there. Oh, it's not? Yeah. No, no. It's literally thousands and thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of miles away. Still mm-hmm. in that realm, still running through gates, still doing stuff, but it's so vast. And it makes you wonder how long he wandered in the Age of Myth. It says he wandered all these lands, all the areas. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of time. Yeah. Then he finds so, the gosh, and then he lets him out. So unless he's power walking. <laughs> oh, sure. It's Yeah. They, that, that was one of his early names, uh, Sigmar the Power Walker. Yeah. Well, I mean, he did kind of walk off, and he left the Empire to do its own thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he so, showed up. I mean, he showed up when Nagash tried to come back and get his crown. He showed up to pop him one and then left. No, 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 no. He didn't do that. Oh, didn't he? He left after Nagash. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and then he just kind of, you know, did a little scoot off. He had Galmaraz. Oh, he left right. that and he traded for the two anvil or uh, blacksmith hammers and just kind of power walked away from the empire. That's totally how it happened. It's <laughs> canon now. <laughs> Smack it down, stamp it with the Warhammer seal of approval. Sigmar the Power Walker. That's I hope I want to see. Um, I want to see someone write one of those. 
Sigmar the Power Walker. <laughs> uh, dude, you know, I bet you they could take it and do something with it. Yeah. All right, that's it. Let's do this. Let's wrap this up. <laughs> yeah, went, probably yeah. should. Yeah. Sorry, folks. All right. Um, once again, before we wrap up, I do want to thank all of our Patreon patrons, uh, all of you who are make up the 1%. Thank you so much. Um, we're going to be doing some more uh, Skype pink hangouts uh, in the next week or two. Uh, so be sure to keep on your uh, Patreon messages, yeah, to watch that stuff. And again, thanks to the associate producers, Phil Elliott, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, and AJC. AJC. And the executive producer, Big Jake. Thank you guys all for um, helping out the show. And until next time, folks, only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall. And only the faithful know no despair except in failure. You've been listening to Garage Hand. If you've enjoyed the show, maybe consider leaving us a positive review on iTunes or check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash garagehammer. If you'd like to reach us, you can contact us via our email address, garagehammer at live.com. You can also find us on Twitter. David is at garagehammer and Alex, that's me, is at somekindageek30. Original music by Claire Seabrook. You can find more of her work at soundcloud.com slash Claire Seabrook Music. Finally, if you want to join the Garage Hammer community, as well as the AOS community worldwide, you can comment on our episodes in the show thread at the Grand Alliance Forums. That's tga.community. Or check out the Garage Hammer Facebook page. And as always, thanks for listening.